2: you movie fans out there, this is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Addict Headquarters. We're very excited about our guest today, folks, because it's none other than British actor Paul Blackthorne, one of the stars of ABC's chilling new series, The River, which premiered this week. Among Paul's, Paul's film experiences are his key role in the Academy Award-nominated movie, *Lagan* and his work as director, writer, and producer of American Crossroads, a new documentary. His other TV critics include some of my favorite TV shows. <laughs> he had the lead role in The Dresden Files and appeared in such hit theory, series as 24, The Gates, ER, lipstick, leverage, and white collar, and Paul also has extensive theater background on both the London and New York stage. I have been waiting to talk with Paul for such a long time, and I know it's a busy week for him, so he probably won't be able to stay for the entire show, so let's bring him on right now. Welcome to Movie Addict Headquarters, Paul.
1: Hello, Betty Joe. Nice to be here. Thank you.
2: Well it's such a treat to have you with us, especially during the week the river begins on T V. And um I know our listeners are eager to hear more about that, but first I wanted to mention that our producer Nikki Starr uh it really is interested in me telling you that she's sorry she couldn't be with us. And I know the listeners in the chat room will miss her, but I hope they'll continue to make comments in the chat as the show moves along because we really appreciate them as well as our other listeners, of course. Now, Paul, I have to tell you that I watched The River on Tuesday, and I think it's it's really going to be a very uh, chilling, supernatural Journey into the jungle. Uh, so I wondered, wondered if we could start by asking you to tell us um, what your reaction to the river is, and kind of what what it's all about.
1: Um, well, for those who, for those people that didn't see it on um, on uh, Tuesday when it came on. Um it's definitely a little bit different, I think, from a, a lot of uh, a lot of shows that are on the air. That's what appealed to me when I read the scripts initially. And, um, you know, it seems like you're watching this... Uh, it seems like you're watching a reality show of people that are going off down the Amazon on this boat trying to find somebody that's lost down the Amazon. Right. Um, and unbeknownst to them, all these peculiar, rather supernatural, odd things start happening. There's lots of bumps in the night and... Um, and yes, it all gets a little bit peculiar, shall we say, but um, it's interesting. The characters, there's a good, there's a good relationship in characters. Nobody really knows who anybody really is. They think they do, but then of course they know that. They don't really as things go on. So it's full of uh, twists and turns and odd surprises.
2: Absolutely. And really, I had never seen um, cinematography or photography in a television show like like this one. It's kind of Cloverleaf meets the blair witch on a trip through the jungle <laughs> i mean there's a lot of that yeah, type of, I think this is what of cinematography when
1: that's uh this is the terrible camera work you get you see um there, there was there was occasions where the actors were were, were holding the cameras themselves to the go the camera operators which was uh well uh, which was a, a little bit of all of us from time to time but um um, yeah, it's uh, there's certainly um, it's certainly got a look of its own. This show, and uh, I think it looks great. I think it's a really interesting look that it has, which obviously
2: well, it kind of draws you it draws you in, yeah. and you're but I can't figure out your your character yet. Now you you play the cagey, uh producer of this uh, documentary that uh, is being made while while trying to find. Um, the uh, the main character, the character that the, that is supposedly lost in the in the jungle, and um, yeah. tell us a little bit about um, this Clark, <laughs> the guy that you play. Is is he a bad guy or a good guy? Uh, what's what's going on with him?
1: Well, I'm glad you can't quite work it out. That's good. Um, so uh, <laughs> I mean, look, in his eyes, he's doing a good thing. Uh, you know, he's helping people that are very close to him. Find somebody that was very close to him too, um, the lost uh, Doctor Emmett Cole, uh, and uh, of course he's trying to, uh, trying to, trying to find me. Cares deeply. The fact that he's getting a television show out of it as well isn't either here nor there. Surely, you know. But um, he's, yeah, he's clearly um, getting something out of it. But um, at the same time, he cares about these people too. So uh, it depends how you view that as to what his motives might be.
2: I got the idea that there was, uh, there might be something going on between the um, uh, the producer and uh, uh, Cole's wife, played by by Leslie Hope. Is that kind of being hinted at, do you think?
1: Well, it certainly looks in those two episodes that were on the other night, it looks like there's some history between them, yes. And um, I couldn't possibly divulge now as to what that might be. You'll just have to tune in and see the next episode and find out.
2: Right, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> well, I know, I know that I will. And you, what, what have you found uh, so far in in filming this uh, the river? What, what have you found the most uh, in cha- most challenging thing about it?
1: Um, well, we, you know, it was pretty. Um, I mean, all television shooting hours are long, and everybody would always make make that comment. But um, you know, we had long hours that were kind of running around the jungle in the middle of the night, digging holes with your bare hands, and jumping into rivers, and or cramped inside the boat, you know, cast and crew. But to be honest, it was challenging, but then when you looked around and you saw this beautiful location that we were shooting in and beautiful nature and everything, it, it really, you know, made you feel pretty fortunate to be out there. So as much as it was challenging sort of up against the elements from time to time, it was it was um it was a great experience too. So um not really gonna complain about any aspect of it really. It was a treat the whole thing.
2: Well where where is this being filmed, uh Paul?
1: Um well, the pilot, which was the first episode that you saw the other day, that was shot in Puerto Rico and then, after that was made, and they decided to make a series out of it the um the the remaining episodes that you'll see now, um the second episode that we saw on Tuesday, we were shot in Hawaii so um oh, we had wow um camp out on the Oahu for uh three and a half months so um which you know it's a nice place to be, right? I think people go on there on vacation. we were lucky enough to be going there to work so it's lovely. Fun.
2: So that that wasn't too much of a hardship for you to do filming in Hawaii.
1: No, I know it's terrible. I was sitting in the I was sitting in a nice little place on the beach. I go swimming with the turtles, you know, it was it was very, very nice. Except one time when I came face to face with a shark, that was a bit alarming and I wondered what I was doing in there. But uh everything happens. Oh then. no
2: So <laughs> <Yeah. No. laughs> well you you escaped, evidently. You didn't have any you I didn't escaped. have any bruises.
1: I three foot of water, I don't know what the shark was doing there, you shouldn't have been there. But um, yeah, I did. Uh, I did remove myself as quickly as possible.
2: Well, I I just think that it's uh, it's it must be really exciting for you to be to be in that series, and uh, I I do want to tell listeners that uh, they should. Tune in uh, because it is on Tuesday nights. Because it is, it is something different. It's not, it's not like a lot of the series that you you see. There's a lot, there's a lot to it, especially if you like horror movies and the supernatural. I think this one is going to be a, a big hit with with people that that like th- those kinds of shows. But yeah, I asked you a little bit about uh, not being able to tell whether you're a bad guy or a or a good guy and. I have to tell you that I really think that you can do both roles very, very well. I've, I've been a fan of yours for a long time, and and uh, the ever since I saw the Dresden Files, which I enjoyed so much, and then my goodness, your your role on on 24 as Steven Saunders, uh, that <laughs> that one that one really got to me. And you had so many other. Uh, television roles. um, I I wanted to know, because I'm very, very curious about it, which which of the roles that you played on television was the most fun for you?
1: Um, To be honest, um, uh, they've all been fun, really. I kind of, uh, you know, I I sort of just, I like to do the ones which are going to be a bit different, a bit challenging, whether they're goodies or baddies, or Americans or English, or all sorts of different kinds of people. Um, but um, I mean, this, the River one really was, uh, you know, really was a great one to do. But I think because he's somewhere in between, you know, he's ambiguous uh, for people to work out. You know, it's, it's, you can't, re- you don't really know if he's if he's good or bad, and um, and the nature of that of that that element of his character and that's certainly appealing. So. Um, um, uh, I think this role is certainly one that's um, that's definitely been fun to do. Just because, just like I said, he's it, it's, it's not clearly good or bad, you know, because so he's somewhere in between. It, it certainly makes it interesting. Uh,
2: it sounds like it's it, uh, there, there are going to be some interesting things happening with, with that character during the series. Uh, yeah, during you never quite series, know what he's going
1: to do next. He's certainly uh, he's a little self-serving at times, it has to be said. But of course, you know, he's gotta stir things up a little bit. He's trying to make a reality show. He wants uh he wants people to um you know, he wants to stir the pot a bit. So uh but he cares about them all too. Yeah. So. And he's trying he's to survive. In, so
2: he's interested in the product. <laughs> that's that's what Well he you wants, know, as they
1: say in this whole world, you know, um conflict equals drama and uh, you know, he's a television He's a television producer, he's, and he knows that if he creates conflict between the characters in his show, the show that we're seemingly watching, uh, that he's going to get good drama. So, um, you know, if he has to manipulate people a little bit and poke and prod and bring out the vulnerable sides and the worst sides of people, then maybe that's what he'll do. And especially that gets so much more enhanced as well when people are under pressure and stress, stressful situations and you know, strange ghoulish things are going on in the night. So he's loving it. He's sitting there on one hand thinking, My word, I'm getting the great television show out of this and then for a second later he's thinking, But I'm not sure if I'm actually going to survive this whole thing. So uh keeps him on his toes.
2: Right. And he he must have been uh, totally delighted with uh with the with the the doll tree. I thought that was, that was you know quite an amazing there's one thing a reality secret. show
1: producer loved is a haunted doll tree. Great television. Loved it <laughs>
2: Absolutely. And I thought maybe I was going to see Chucky up there on the doll tree. Yeah, I think he was
1: looking in there
2: somewhere. He should be in there someplace, that's right. Well, you know, uh, Paul, this is Movie Attic headquarters, so I would be remiss if I didn't talk with you about uh, about your movies. And uh, How did you happen to, to be cast in the movie Ligon? Now, I have to tell you that that movie is on my Netflix queue because uh in in reading about you and and checking out the you know the films that you've been in i understand that this is a musical a bollywood musical and uh i'm the world's most avid yeah. movie musical fan so you know i'm really really eager to see this film but how did you happen to be cast in that movie um made in india i think and and um uh, tell us a little bit about it
1: uh, was very much made in India, yes. Um Amir Khan is, is the big super duper star in India who's a very respected, uh, very revered figure and um and um this he decided to produce this film in which he would be starring in, uh but he wanted to uh, go come across to London, get British actors to play the British roles within the story of the the British Empire and the British Army captains The officers and such like. So um, it was it was people representing the the British Empire at that time, the Raj and all that. So um, I was very fortunate enough to be cast in this thing. But at first I was wondering, goodness me, do I really? Because I was doing British television and British film at the time, and I was wondering where this sort of fitted into your career, really. The whole idea of doing a sort of a Bollywood film, and I couldn't quite work it (laughs) out. And I was trying to work it out. And then all of a sudden I thought, what am I worried about that for? This is going to be an amazing experience. I get to go to India. Don't stop worrying about careers. Think about your life. And uh, going to India was absolutely uh, you know it is people would come back from India in the 90s when I was living. Uh, people would come back from yeah in in India from India in the 90s when I was living in London, saying oh it's life changing and oh you'll never see life the, the same again after you've been there. And you'd be like yeah yeah whatever. And then I was there for six months because of this film and travelling afterwards. And it, it does change your life. So. um, uh, you get to appreciate a whole bunch of things in life that you didn't necessarily think of before. So, um, you know, that film was 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 great. You know, uh, from an acting experience, but also just from life itself because it was it was it was wonderful to get to get out there. And you know, the next thing you know, you're running around in the desert, speaking Hindi, playing cricket, and you know, galloping across, in a, across the a desert on a big black horse, and thinking, "Well, this is good. This is fun." Um, and um, And so that that happened, and then it turned out to be very successful. I I think it's still India's most successful film ever. Wow. And it was nominated for the Best Foreign Language um, Oscar in 2002, which I can't believe is 10 years ago. So I was there. I was in L.A. as a result of that, and that happened to be the same time that they go around casting all these new TV shows. So I found myself sitting in all these rooms in Beverly Hills, thinking, "Well, this is hilarious." So I wasn't expecting to come here, and then I was fortunate to get a uh, to get a TV show, and then the last ten years have sort of been rolling along, doing them, doing these TV shows and a few films.
2: Yeah, like. that was a, that was uh, great that you you got that chance. But now, what you played a bad guy. I I think I read in Lagan. Didn't weren't yes, you one he of the was, villains?
1: He was, <laughs> yes, he was very bad. You have to make sure you've got a... That film is, is amazing because it's... Uh, it's In India, you know how we consider like a two-hour film to be kind of normal, hour 45, two hours normal. If we get up to a three hours, with, ooh, it's a big, long film, right? But in India, a three-hour film is perfectly normal. So even that would be quite long. But this is a long Indian film. It's three hours, forty. Oh, my. Uh, so it's quite challenging in that respect. But... It has a lovely intermission in the middle, so it makes you feel like you're watching Lawrence of Arabia or something. Um, oh, great! Okay. We had a screening one time in Hollywood, and this uh, executive, the studio executive, came out and he said, "You know something? That's like the movies they used to make in Hollywood." And it's,
2: exactly. It's
1: got very, it's got this very old-fashioned sort of adventure feel to the film, and uh, it's it's very, it's a lovely film. It's long, but you don't. That's it. You don't think about that when you're watching it. It's it's a very beautiful, good old-fashioned film. It's lovely. And yes, yeah, plenty of singing and dancing numbers for all you singing and dancing fans out there.
2: Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. Did you do any it... singing and dancing in it?
1: When I was going through the script, the one thing I was hoping very much was that I was not going to be involved in any singing or dancing. Unfortunately, <laughs> such villainous types that i played, and this one in particular, are not involved, and they're not prone to getting up and singing and dancing. So fortunately, <laughs> um, I didn't ruin the film by attempting to single dance. We
2: just have oh you. heck. I would uh well I, I still I still wanna see it and I'm I can hardly wait till I till it um until I get it through Netflix and um we have some listeners who um are very interested in acting as a as a career and so one of the questions that they like me to ask uh any actors that come on the show is why why you decided on acting as a career, and also if you have any advice for for wannabe actors,
1: um, you know I think it's strange sometimes. I, I think it takes a lot, <clears throat> a lot longer to sort of find out what it is you enjoy in life, and therefore what you're probably going to be good at, um, than I don't know. than education systems seem to suggest. Um, I mean, I didn't really have a clue what on earth I was. Really going to settle down and enjoy until I was in my sort of mid, at least mid twenties, maybe even late twenties, when I really got serious about doing acting. Um, but um, it takes a while sometimes, and I think everybody's story, you know, is different. There's no rhyme or reason. There's, I mean, you can go to drama school and do all that stuff, but um, you know, different things happen in different ways for people. And but I just think, you know, that George Burns quote always always gets me when he says if you get a, if you find a job you enjoy you'll never have to work a day in your life. And oh,
0: right. that, always,
1: that I always thought, well, that's perfect. you know. And mostly, if you do something you enjoy, you're going to be probably more likely to be good at it than something you don't enjoy doing, you know? But anyway, well, sure. um, I did plenty of jobs uh, before acting. <laughs> um, but um, I don't know. I, did, I was involved in musical theatre when I was a little kid and I was a little precocious brat running around on the stage in the London West End and at the Edinburgh Festival and other festivals and I did that for a few years when I was a kid but um I didn't really go- Oh and then when I was living in New York 20 years ago I did a little bit but wasn't really taking it seriously and then it wasn't until my mid 20s as I say that sort of something else came up another acting role came up through a friend and I did this thing but I didn't really know what I was doing so I studied for 2 years um with a teacher and uh, at that point you know trying to get my head around actually trying to do it properly so learning learning how to do it studying it so I did that, and then um, um, I've sort of been working since then, really, which is rather fortunate.
2: Yeah. So you found something that you you love to do, and and you yeah. found the opportunities. And so probably your your advice to uh, people who are thinking about going into acting that would be your first thing that you you uh, advise them is to find if if this is something that they love to do.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of people are thinking, well, you know, you've got to pay the bills, and of course you've got to pay the bills in life. But what I, if it becomes just about that, then it, it gets a little muddled. Um, what I did, I did jobs that helped me pay the bills, you know, working in restaurants and things like that, and then I could do the acting on the side. And I would right. just enjoy the acting because I was paying the bills, doing, you know, working in restaurants and such like. Um and then it got to a point where it was like, oh, I don't think I have to work in the restaurants anymore because I seem to be paying the bills through the acting.
2: Um, the acting. But I would have hated
1: to have just gone into acting um, thinking that I have to work because I have to pay the bills. That kind of, for me anyway, that would take away the enjoyment of the whole process and just sort of letting it happen in the way that it does, you know. So That's um, a
2: good point. That's definitely definitely a good point. And, and um, now you're um, not just acting, you're uh, directing, and, well, actually, writing and directing this new documentary, American Crossroads. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Um, yeah, I can. The name has actually changed since that went to uh, since that came oh. we've got a, a. It's called This American Journey now. Um,
2: oh, American Journey. Based, okay, thank you.
1: Yeah, this Amer- This American Journey. Yeah, um, and it's basically about the journey that a friend and I, a photographer friend and I, took across America. Um from New York to California we drove over the, uh, we drove across the country over the over a period of about a month and we interviewed people as to how they felt about uh, the state the current state of America and what they felt about the future of America um in the wake of the economic downturn and um, oh. that's sort of looking at you know the american dream and really you know if that's very much been associated with you know accumulation of wealth or material things, big houses, cars, or whatever, is that really the thing that actually does make you happy? Um, And we spoke to a lot of people who had some pretty good ideas as to what actually might make you happy, and it's not necessarily a big house and a big car. So it was wonderful, just sort of, you know, because I was was wondering about America. I'd been here for a while that last sort of, you know, this last decade or so, and some strange things have happened, and uh, I wasn't sure how I was feeling about it, but it was, I wanted to go across the country again, and, you know, sort of... Fall fall in love again with the, with the country, and especially middle America. You know what I mean? I, I just love mm-hmm. it out there. You know, there's the, such great characters and Americana and that great American spirit that just, ah, just just love it. So um, by the time we got to California, I was very much in love again with the country. And we met these amazing people that just had fantastic things to say about, you know, not just America, but, you know, life in general. So that was a really great experience.
2: That sounds like a, a fascinating documentary. Um, is it completed or almost completed or ready for distribution?
1: Um, we are just at the moment um, in the final throes of the edit. These things take about 100 years longer than you expect them to take, especially when oh, you can't yeah. concentrate all your time on it. Um, so we are we're literally a few weeks away now from this final cut, this final edit, and then we'll be doing all the technical stuff on it, the sound and the picture, and then... Um, We'll be putting it out there to uh, there's a there's a particular network that wants to see it, and um, or maybe we'll go to the festival circuit. I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see how that sort of unravels. But um, um, but we're, we're almost finished the cut, so that's the main thing.
2: Well, keep me posted on that, and then maybe when absolutely. that when that is completed and ready, you can come back and talk a little talk a little more about that. Would you do that?
1: Yes, absolutely, lovely, Betty Joe. Yeah,
2: thank you. Great, great. And um I have a few more questions. I know that, that uh you're very, very busy, but but one of the things that I wanna ask you because uh I love to ask this of of the actors that come on the on the show, if you could choose any role to play in a remake of a classic film, and, you know, they're, they're making lots of remakes these days, which would it be and why? Do you have a favorite classic film that, uh, or a role from one of these films that, that you would like to play?
1: Oh, lordy me. That's, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's a questionable thing, isn't it? Um, remaking classic films. They're classic films. Why do you want to remake them? I never quite understand that one myself. <laughs> I know. Uh, Maybe The Tin Man or something with the divorce. <laughs> That's nice. You can hide yourself behind a nice tin or The Lion, maybe. Um, I don't know. I mean, all those, you know, one of my favorite films is uh, On the Waterfront, you know, Marlon Brando, watching all those things and watching all those films are, are great. But I don't know. If anybody said, Do you want to um, be involved in a remake or something like that, I think you'd have to run a mile because it's best just to leave some things as they are. But, uh uh, so I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe something that no one's ever heard of. Maybe some obscure Lithuanian film or something that no one's ever heard of. They say, why did they bother remaking that? Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure I can fully answer your question. I'm sorry.
2: Well, I I, I think you did because uh, that that is true. Uh, sometimes I get so angry when I when I see some remakes of a classic film and I think why didn't why didn't you leave it right. alone? But I did have a film. I did have a film that I thought. Uh, You know, that I would like to see you in, and and I don't know whether you've you've seen it or or heard about it. It was back in 1953, there was an Alfred Hitchcock movie called I Confess with Montgomery Clift. Is that familiar to you? And he played this priest that was accused of uh, murder, was suspected of of being the murderer, when actually it was somebody who had confessed to him and he couldn't reveal it and I thought that you, you know whenever I think think of that that film and Montgomery Clift in it I think that would be a part that would suit you very well so should should we get the ball rolling on that for you
1: okay I'll be fine with that I'll take back everything I've said because I want to be in a remake of a Hitchcock film yep count me in that's right um, <laughs> and, that, and the was that's Paul, film that, Paul
2: it doesn't require no, any singing or dancing
1: no singing or dancing Well, that's great I'm in I'll do that Um, let me tell you though was that the film they remade a film oh maybe 10-15 years ago and it was I think was it a French Canadian film or a French film where they incorporated a Hitchcock film into this modern day and the action switched Uh, what was that called I thought it might have something to do with I confess um oh what was it called? somebody out there must know um okay if, any, you, uh, if anybody knows it was the name of a it was a, a film it was either french or french canadian and the action shifted between the moment the, between that contemporary moment and the time that this hitchcock film was being made and i can't remember what it was do you have little quiz moments on your show
2: yes i'll i'll check on that and 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 report back <laughs> when i find the answer to that well <laughs> Please, i was one d- one. i was Uh, Yeah, right well listeners please if you know the film that paul's talking about please please let us know about it well um we're heading down to the uh to the half hour that i that i promised you so the last question is are you are there any other projects you'd like to mention i know you've got some you had some exhibitions as a photographer and you have some uh, philanthropic projects that you're involved in would you like to mention any of those
1: One of the things I've done in the past, I've had some photographic exhibitions in London and here in um, New York. Um, um, uh, Just some, um, um, I, I, you know, I find myself involved in these strange situations. And And a very, you know, terrible thing happened with the with the Indian film that I did. A year after we were there, there was a huge earthquake, massive earthquake, and it decimated the town that we stayed in oh. and it took me, a year after we all arrived there. And um, a lot of the people that were involved in that film for production and extras, background, uh, a lot of people were killed. One of the amazing things that Amir Khan, the uh, Indian um, star of the film, the producer of the film, one of the amazing things that he did, he took the film before anybody, I mean, this was the most anticipated film for years in India, and premieres and all the rest of it but the first people he showed the film to were the people of that town that had lost so much and so many in in that earthquake and um you know he really sort of set the tone as to 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 the the production's reaction to that and i traveled around india after that production and then i got back and i had some nice photographs so i had a little exhibition in london and just raised a little bit of cash to help out with the um you know with the, the victims of that earthquake through the british red cross um so that was one instance and then I was in India again a couple of years ago and I was involved in a documentary that was uh that was um uh centering on the uh the Tibetan Buddhist communities in India and um we got ourselves involved with the Tibetan children's villages and these are all the children the Tibetan children that are either sent to India from Tibet um or have uh, And their parents still remain in China or their families that have moved completely. But it's basically all these displaced Tibetan communities and these children that, um, as I said, in a a lot of cases have been orphaned because their parents are effectively orphaned because their parents know they won't see them again as things stand in the situation with China and Tibet. So they send these kids out to India to these schools in the hope of a better Future. Um so we were involved in that, so we raised a little bit of money, had an exhibition here and we had an auction and people were kind to you know contribute to that and uh we raised some money to help those children's villages. And um uh so that that was that and uh I had a little Greenpeace one once, um yeah. a few years back in London. So, you know, whatever sort of popped up. Um it's always good fun though, it's always nice, it's always good fun.
2: Well, and good for you, and sounds web- like those are.
1: Yeah, we're kind of breaking a lot of up those here. Website, there's all my photos are on there, so you can go and see them, and there's some of the tales behind the photos as well. So. Um, good,
2: and that's www.paulblackthorn.com, right?
1: Yeah, that's yeah, my name.com. yeah. So, and there's a photo section on there, and a few other bits and pieces floating around. So. Yeah. I, I
2: urge our listeners to uh, to check out your site because there is a, a lot of information there that's uh, really interesting about uh, your acting and your and your photography and your directing. So uh, so do check out that site, uh, listeners. And I know Paul that you have to have to leave because it is <laughs> half hour now. It's just yeah. been absolutely fabulous talking with you because as i mentioned to you i've I've been wanting to talk to you for for a long time you've, you've been a terrific guest and thank you so much for taking time out of this busy schedule this week to to come on movie addict headquarters
1: okay well i um thanks very much for having me i hope you enjoy the rest of the river shows and um yeah thanks very much it's been a pleasure
2: Well, it's been our pleasure, and best wishes for the success of the river. I I think it's going to be a big hit, and um, I'm eager to see uh, this American journey also and to have you back on the show uh, to talk about that. So bye for now.
1: Okay, then. Thank you very much, Betty Jo. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the rest of your day.
2: Thank you, and uh, we'll we'll be looking forward to talking with you again soon. Bye-bye.
1: Okay, lovely. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye.
2: what a great guy <laughs> be sure to check your uh, tv uh listings uh dear listeners for the correct date and uh time and channel for the river i believe it it will be uh playing each uh tuesday evening so um i i think if you especially if you enjoy horror movies that w- that'll be something that you will enjoy on tv um i'd like to take some time now Uh, to explain our valentine's day book drawing which is running through friday february 17th we'll be giving away copies of the e-book edition of it had to be us the award-winning romantic memoir my husband and i co-wrote under the pseudonyms of harry and elizabeth lawrence one reader called our book the Valentine Book of the Year when it was first released, which, of course, made us very happy. And, yes, it's an emotional story about how we um, reunited after about 20 years of uh, divorce and estrangement, but it's also very humorous and very, very romantic. So if you would like to participate in this drawing, just send me an email at, at net. that's R-E-E-L, Real talk at Comcast.net, with book drawing in the subject area, and I'll add your name to the drawing, then the winners will be notified during the weekend following Valentine's Day. And I think we have time now to remind everyone about what's coming up on Movie Addict Headquarters during the rest of February. On February 14th, that's next Tuesday, Romance Revisited is the name of the game with Kimberly Potts, author of Everything I Need to Know, I Learned from a Chick Flick, and film critic Diana Sanger discussing great love stories on film. The following Tuesday, February 21st, actor Russell Hornsby from NBC's Grimm and such movies as Big Fat Liar and Get Rich or Die Trying will be our special guest. And then the last Tuesday in February, February 28th, Oscar's best and worst moments will be the topic of a roundtable discussion with this distinguished panel, A.J. Hockery, the Mad Movie Man, Barry Monish, author, editor of the latest Screen World volume, Diana Sanger, founder and editor of Classic Movie Guide, and the film historian, James Colt Harrison. Now, February 28th is uh, two days after the uh, this year's Oscars ceremony so this should be a very timely and, and fascinating discussion so February is an exciting month indeed our show has been um, shorter than usual uh, today because uh, Paul could only uh, afford to give us 30 minutes of his time but he was certainly a, a terrific guest so it's time to wrap things up now and um, I'm sorry that uh, Nikki Starr wasn't here today to help with the chat, but I do I do want to thank the people who, who signed up for the chat, as well as all our other listeners. This is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout-out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support and for featuring Paul Blackthorne's interview as one of today's picks. We really appreciate it. And thanks to producer Nikki Starr. for for her help and support. And uh, please come back next time for our special Valentine's Day episode. In the meantime, don't you forget to check out our film reviews at RealtalkReviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, RealtalkReviews.com. That's all for now, folks. And because Valentine's Day is almost here, let's close the show again with one of my favorite love songs, Here's Brian Ferry with his Time Goes By Sigh.
0: You must remember this. A kiss is still a kiss. A sigh is just a sigh. Things apply as time goes by And when two lovers woo, they still say, I love you on that you can lie. time us